0: Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman and this is episode 18 of the quarantine edition of my show. You can listen to all of my podcasts available either through the CMRU.ca website or through the podcast apps and stuff like that. So lots of places you can catch up on all the sports that have gone on throughout the summer and of course now coming into the fall where things are getting down to the wire. So today I'm going to talk about the Canadian Premier League with the group stage not 100% over at the time of recording but you know essentially for the purposes of results yeah it's basically over and then NFL week one have to talk about that with football back. NHL playoffs going to get into that as well, but today I'm going to start once again with the NBA playoffs. So the NBA playoffs were almost at the conference finals, and the reason why I say that is because of the time of, at the time of recording, Denver has not played the Clippers in game 7 of their series, which I'll get to here in just a minute and how important this game is for at least one of those two teams. But I'll start with the other Western Conference series. The Lakers and the Rockets came to a close. The Lakers won this series 4-1, so they won in five games total, to advance to the Conference Finals. Now, the Lakers winning this series wasn't really a surprise. I think it was just more upsetting watching the Rockets kind of just fade away into the limelight. There really wasn't a pushback, there wasn't a you know, fight for every inch type of mentality out of Houston. It was more like, oh, we're down. Okay, well, see you guys later. You know, we'll leave the bubble now. There wasn't, like, it felt really upsetting to me. It almost felt like the Rockets gave up in these games, and they didn't really put their best foot forward in a lot of cases. There was obviously that House situation where House is one of the bench players for the Rockets, and he had this big... Let's just say there's this big incident involving a COVID tester who ended up in his room, I guess, for reportedly multiple hours, according to ESPN. And so he ended up leaving the bubble because he would have had to quarantine for four days, I believe. Uh, Maybe possibly longer, depending on how the NBA would have ruled. But he broke the... He broke some of the protocols and so there was going to be a punishment and so he decided to leave the bubble instead and I mean his team was down three to one at that point but it really in spite of that I mean Houston kind of really shot themselves in the foot so much their offense couldn't make a lot of very makeable layups in this series and the Lakers started hitting three-pointers which I think was a big key in this series Marquise Morris Rajon Rondo They found their shooting touch in this series, for sure, against the Houston Rockets. If they can shoot like that, I think the Lakers have a decent chance of winning the whole thing. But for Houston, it's a lot more questions and a lot less answers because this felt like it was supposed to be their year. No excuses for them. And they came up short, which makes you question the ability of james harden and russell westbrook to be your one and two guys on a team but anyway congrats to the lakers they're through to the conference finals their opponent will be decided tonight between the clippers and the nuggets so like i said at the time of recording game seven is going tonight and so i'm very much going to be watching this with very very close like paying very close attention to the clippers especially because for Denver this almost feels like house money to them because the Nuggets were down 3 to 1 in the series it looked like it was over it was done with and you know we'd be moving on with our lives but unlike Houston Denver showed a ton of heart desire and fight and they got back into the series because in game 5 and game 6 they had a double digit deficit in the second half and found a way to come back in the game and win both so they were down 3 to 1 and they were down by double digits in both games both elimination games and they found ways to win and so now it's a game 7 all the pressure is on the Clippers the Clippers have been the championship favorites all season long the Clippers franchise has never actually made a conference finals in their history and let's just say the meme treatment that they will get if they lose tonight will be pretty much something they can't come back from barring a championship next season. But with the Western Conference getting better and better, I can't like, I think for me, the reason why I think this is so interesting is because this feels like the Clippers year to win. This is the year where they got a bunch of players from the buyout market This is the year they have Kawhi, they have Paul George, and next year, Golden State is going to be back. They're going to be good again next season. Obviously, the Dallas Mavericks are coming, and teams better watch out for them. And so, when you think about that, the Clippers, this is kind of the year to do it. This is kind of the year for them to win the championship. This is the path of least resistance for them compared to what next year will be, I believe. So... All the pressure's on. Can the Clippers finally overcome decades upon decades of embarrassments? We'll find out, but certainly I think Canadian Jamal Murray on the Nuggets side will have something to say about that. will be interesting to watch. Milwaukee already beat Miami. I talked a lot about this series and how terrible the Bucks were and how great the Heat were. Miami, they're playing Boston. In the next round because the Celtics edged out Toronto in game number seven of their series watching that game seven was so frustrating because Toronto I felt played really good on the defensive side of the ball the problem was their offense continually let them down at every moment in this game of game number seven because Pascal Siakam and I mean full credit to him for owning up and taking responsibility but man, oh man, like this was a rough, rough series for him. And game seven, he had costly turnovers. He had very, very poor decision making on the offensive end. He couldn't seem to shoot a single shot that went, into the, that went into the basket. And the Celtics just ultimately, I think, found a way to shut him down. And that was a big question for the Raptors, I think, going into these playoffs was everyone knew... That Siakam was good enough to be the number two guy on a championship team but the question was could he be a number one guy and right now the answer is undeniably no that doesn't mean the answer can't change it doesn't mean he can't get better it doesn't mean that you know he can't take that next step but right now at the time he's not there yet and it was pretty obvious to see because Kyle Lowry, in spite of all his heroics in game six, couldn't match that in game number seven. It was always going to be hard to play as well as he did in game six, obviously. And then I think Toronto just 18 turnovers, just way too many in this game. And for Boston, they found a way to grind it out. It wasn't pretty, but Jalen Brown played really well in game seven. Uh, Tatum looked pretty good for the most part although he missed a pretty bad free throw there at the end but then again of course Norman Powell should have boxed out on a free throw which is amazing to me that he didn't do that but nonetheless Boston through to the conference finals and so the Heat and the Celtics go game one tonight should be an interesting series I think Miami I think I'm picking the Heat over the Celtics in this series even though technically in my bracket I got both the Eastern series is wrong I would probably side with the heat i think miami are just a bad matchup bam at a bio, like who's gonna guard him on boston and the heat have very dangerous three-point shooters i like goran dragic a lot and his matchup probably going up against kemba i mean jason tatum is obviously going to be i would assume a problem but at the same time i think crowder can enough in that spot and even Jimmy Butler at times I think it switch on to him they're both really good defenders so I'm gonna pick heat and seven actually to beat Boston to go to the finals will be will be interesting to watch on the western side we don't know what the re- series is yet but I'm very intrigued to see who comes out on top tonight on to the NHL playoffs where we have a Stanley Cup finalist the Dallas Stars and yes, the same Dallas Stars that beat my Calgary Flames. And yeah, no, that doesn't mean Calgary gets a pass for losing to them. That does not mean that at all. But I'm gonna give full credit to the Stars, who wrapped it up very early in a five-game win over the Vegas Golden Knights. And of course, in game number five, in the elimination game, it was Joel Kiviranta again, <laughs> and it was Dennis Gurianov again both those players seem to have an act for the moment for the stars and they got it done. Kudobin was nothing short of spectacular in this series against Vegas and Jamie Ben, I think has finally found a little bit of that fountain of youth stuff where like he's playing like the 2016, 2017 version of Jamie Ben rather than the, you know, past couple year version of Jamie Ben and so Dallas, they're in the Stanley Cup Final, and I think they got a shot. I definitely do. Dallas, I think, has proven themselves time after time in this playoff run. And what I will say, which is kind of exciting, if they do win the Stanley Cup, it's hard to see anybody other than Mido Ayskanen winning the Kansmite for the playoff MVP. He has to be the pick if the Stars win the Cup. Unless someone goes absolutely crazy in the finals, which could always happen, but... I would have to side with um, Mito Iskinen right now. In the other series, Tampa Bay has a chance to close out the Islanders tonight. They lead three to one in the series. And so Tampa Bay, this is a team that has choked in many of the past few seasons, none worse than their sweep last year at the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So this is a chance for redemption. If they win the Stanley Cup this year, they can redeem all the terrible things that were said about them last year. But obviously, it's not gonna quite be that easy. I think the Islanders have, obviously they've had a tremendous playoff run. Unfortunately, Tampa Bay is just a really talented team when they play together correctly. But similar to Dallas, I do think if Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup, it's hard to see anybody outside of Braden Point winning the Conn Smythe Trophy for playoff MVP. Because he has been outstanding for the Lightning the entirety of the playoffs so far. And they've certainly gotten the better of the Islanders in this series. So I'm still rooting for the Islanders. But Tampa Bay's talent, I think, has been a little bit too much in this series. So if they're able to close it out and not choke away their 3-1 lead, it'll be Stars and Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. So I'll definitely be talking about that series next week on to the nfl nfl week one so i've done a few different things for my nfl recaps over the last couple of years of doing a show and this year i'm trying something new out again just because truthfully i don't know how long the football season's gonna last because covid19 looms large over the nfl season so I want to try and talk about as many games and as many teams as I can, and for that reason, I'm going to talk about every single game in week number one. I'm just going to give a quick little description about what I think happened in the game. If it was a more important game, I'll spend a little bit. Lo- I'll spend a little bit more time on it. If it wasn't quite as important, then I'll spend a little less time on it. So, starting out with the season opener, the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City is really good, and I think we all knew that. And Houston has a really bad coach and has a good quarterback who's hung up to dry. And again, I think we all knew that going in. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, by the way, he gave me flashbacks as an Eagles fan to young LaShawn McCoy because, no joke, Edwards-Hilaire runs and cuts and just carries himself on the football field almost exactly like McCoy did which, for Chiefs fans, has to be very exciting, because prime LaShawn McCoy was very, very dangerous, and probably, at least in my biased opinion, the most elusive running back since Barry Sanders. Seahawks took on the Falcons. Seattle won this game 38-25. Russell Wilson was MVP Russell Wilson. I know he hasn't won an MVP, But, I mean, if he plays like this every single game, he definitely will. Russell Wilson was spectacular in this game. Atlanta, a lot of people were hyping up the Falcons going into the season. I didn't really get it. Atlanta, to me, is kind of a mediocre team. And nothing in this game said anything other than this is a mediocre team. Browns and Ravens. This was a blowout. Baltimore won easily. The Ravens are maybe the best team in the league. Cleveland is Cleveland, so enough set. Bills and Jets. The Jets have a bad coach, a bad quarterback, a bad roster, and the Bills have a pretty good roster, so that was pretty much what happened in this game. Nice and easy win for the Bills. The Raiders and Panthers had a really fun game, but I don't think either team is really cut out to contend this season but still i think a very promising game especially for a lot of the changes that were made in carolina matt rule new coach teddy bridgewater new quarterback so i liked a lot of what i saw in this game but is either team really going to be in the playoffs not so sure about that bears and lions chicago found a way to win this game mitch trubisky despite playing horribly for three quarters managed to show up in the fourth quarter to lead his team back to a victory and the detroit lions are gonna choke because they're the detroit lions who continue to run one of the worst organizations in football and so the bears have a four point win that's pretty much the story of that game colts and jaguars now the jaguars a lot of people thought they would be the worst team in the league and I'm part of that group. I am not excluding myself. And I might be wrong about that because Gardner Minshew clearly doesn't want to lose his job to a rookie quarterback out of college because he played really well in this game. And Jacksonville showed a ton of heart. I thought they played really well as a team. And the Colts well have Philip Rivers. And Philip Rivers, as for anyone who's listened to my show over the last couple of years, would know I'm not his biggest fan. I I think Rivers is just, at one time in his career, he was a good quarterback, you know, top 10 in the league, and then he kind of fell off a cliff, and now he's old and washed up and not really that good anymore, and so that's kind of where we have this result. Minnesota lost 43-34 to 34 to the Packers. It wasn't actually that close. Minnesota got a bunch of garbage points. The story of this game is that Aaron Rodgers continues to own the NFC North, and until someone proves otherwise, it's the Packers' division to lose, really. Because Minnesota was so disappointing in this game, their defense was terrible, their offense was terrible, and Kirk Cousins basically didn't throw the ball in this game, which means the coaching staff probably doesn't have the most faith in him. Dolphins and Patriots New England won by grinding out a result with good defense. Miami's just not that good, because they're probably a year away from being good. And Cam Newton looked alright, so that's pretty much the story of that game. I'm going to skip my Eagles game for a second. I'll come back to that. I have a few things to say. Chargers and Bengals. Joe Burrow discovered what it was like to be a Bengals player, because they found a way to lose on a missed field goal in the last seconds of the game. The Chargers... I think we're okay, again, you know, they're prob- the Chargers are probably a year away from being somewhat playoff content, from being in playoff contention, in my opinion. The Bengals are still obviously in the rebuild. Buccaneers and Saints, Tom Brady didn't look that great, but Tampa Bay is a brand new team with a brand new quarterback and, you know, brand new bunch of... Playbooks that they have to learn and stuff like that I'm not that concerned about the Buccaneers losing to New Orleans. New Orleans is a good team and so Tampa Bay next week will be interesting. They play Carolina. That should be I think a better test for them early on in the season Arizona my dark horse pick out of the NFC had a surprising 24 to 20 win over the San Francisco 49ers Kyler Murray spectacular in this game DeAndre Hopkins made every Texans fan cry into their uh, pillows because he had a ridiculous game in this one to help lead the Cardinals to a win. San Francisco, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is trusted by the coaching staff. They continue to, like, basically babysit him and not let him throw the ball. And I don't know if it's just because he missed those throws in the Super Bowl, but something to keep an eye on, I think, for the rest of the season. Cowboys lost by three to the LA Rams the Rams, you know, even though yeah, Dallas got screwed over on a bad penalty call late LA was probably the better team in this game their offense seemed to have their way with the Cowboys defense for large portions of the game and For Dallas. Well, they have a new coach So I'm not you know, it's maybe a little too early to pass judgment on Dallas But certainly they'll need to play better than what they did on Sunday night. Steelers took on the Giants on Monday Night Football, and Pittsburgh won pretty comfortably. Daniel Jones didn't look very good for the Giants, who look like basement dwellers again in the NFC. Titans and Broncos was the game of missed field goals as Steven Goskowski tried to go for the record of most missed field goals in a single game before hitting finally a 29-yarder to win the thing for Tennessee. 16-14 was the final score there. Denver's offense is obviously still very new, and so I'm not that surprised that, you know, they were a little shaky in this game. But Tennessee, they need more out of Ryan Tannehill, I think, if they're going to have success this season. Because they can't keep settling for field goals every single time. Especially because Kowski's going to miss them. Okay, I skipped over it. I'll come back to it. Philadelphia Eagles. We lost to the Washington football team. Carson Wentz got sacked eight times. And... Dwayne Haskins played pretty good. I'll give him that. Uh, Let's see what else was notable about the football team. The fact that that's real is insane to me. But Terry McLaurin, you know, five catches, 61 yards. Not too bad. They... um... Played pretty good defensively. The defensive front got a lot of pressure on the Eagles. I'll say that. But like I said, Wentz got sacked eight times. He threw two interceptions that were pretty bad ones in costly moments. And the Eagles didn't run the ball very much, despite the fact they had a 17-0 lead that they blew. Dallas Goddard played really well. Jalen Rager had one catch, but it was 55 yards. So that's something, right? Sure, yeah, that's positive. Wentz fumbled the ball twice. He only lost one of them, but he still has a fumbling issue. Eagles defense still found a way to implode. Yeah. I didn't pick Philly to go to the playoffs (laughs) before the season started, and I don't think they are now. I know they're super injured, but it's just... This is probably a... This is probably a throwaway year for the Eagles, and I'm... This is going to be an upsetting year. They lost to the Washington football team. Which, by the way, I'll give them a lot of credit. They played for Ron Rivera, as Ron Rivera teams tend to do, and they won for their coach, which is great, because obviously he's dealing with his skin cancer thing right now. But the Eagles were terrible, plain and simple. Okay, final segment of the day. Canadian Premier League soccer is now pretty much done. The second group stage that they have. And we have our finalists. It will be Hamilton's team, Forge FC, and Halifax's team, HFX Wanderers, in the final on Saturday from the University of Prince Edward Island. Cavalry, sadly, they beat Pacific 3-1, but then had a 2-1 loss to HFX Wanderers, Jay Wheldon... Made some poor decisions early in the match, and I think he'll be the first to tell you that he made some poor decisions because on a yellow card in the 12th minute, he pulled down Akeem Garcia in the box. Garcia stepped up and scored a penalty kick. Cavalry then later gave up another penalty because Carducci took out Morelli in the box, and then it was another penalty goal for HFX Wanderers. Cavalry did well to play with 10 men, but when you're behind the eight ball like that from the start, it's hard to recover. And then they played Forge this morning and lost 1-0. Babouli scored a really nice chip goal for Forge FC, but Cavalry, in the end, I think injuries caught up to them a little bit. And I know Jordan Brown would probably want to have this game back just because I felt like almost anything that he seemed to come in contact with almost turned into a turnover. And certainly he Jordan Brown, I thought, played really well for the most part during the island games but this was a game i think he'd like to have back cavalry's crossing and passing in this game too against Forge was just the crossing was so terrible there was maybe i think two or three good deliveries there was one that almost went in the net where mabila swung it in and header ended up going just wide of the net but there was really yeah maybe two or three crosses in this game that were any good the rest of them A lot of bad crosses, a lot of bad passes from Cavalry. And so they really have nobody but themselves to blame on this one. For Halifax, they were last place a year ago, and now they're in the finals. They might legitimately win this thing. I'm very excited for them, just because I think they've done a fantastic job rebuilding their team. They have a lot of U sports players, by the way, in their squad, which is fantastic to see the growth in that avenue for players in this country. And Pacific... They were just a little bit outmatched. Pacific, I think, brought too small of a roster to this thing. They should have brought more players. I think that would have helped them a lot because fatigue has definitely been a problem for them. Cavalry just suffered injuries to, like, every major offensive player on their team, which, of course, is never, ever fun. And so, you know, it shows a lot of heart to play, especially when your team is down so many players. But for Pacific and Cavalry, it's just maybe if they had a little more luck, maybe if they had a little bigger squad, maybe they would have done a little bit Better. But nonetheless, Forge and HFX should be a good game. When they played each other in this group stage match, it was a 1 1 tie. Forge kind of got away with one, though, because they got a very fortunate penalty that I did not think was correct whatsoever. And so I think Wanderers have to feel like they might be the favorite in this game to beat the defending CPL champions. Once again, that goes on Saturday. It's on One Soccer and it's on CBC. So lots of places that you can watch it. But that is it. That's all I got for today's show. I want to thank everybody for listening in. And once again, be happy, be healthy, and stay safe, everybody.